Area 941 podcast are produced and distributed by Community Powered 94.1 KPFA Radio. Please help support Area 941 at kpfa.org. This is the Area 941 Radio Walensky Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Walensky. We're talking about books, about theater, about film, and sometimes about politics. My guests are Sherilyn Parsons, who is the founder and executive director of the Bay Area Book Festival, which runs May 1st through 9th. This is the seventh annual book festival, and I guess the second, but we'll go into what that exactly means during the pandemic where everything is digital. Sherilyn Parsons, before we get into this year, what exactly happened last year? Well, thank you for having me on again. A real pleasure. You know, last year, our festival was scheduled for May 2nd and 3rd, and that was the sixth annual festival. You know, we had the usual, I think we had 275 authors scheduled, more than 100 events. And on March 11th, we needed to cancel. Things had been sort of moving toward that point, but that was the day I really pulled the plug. An insane day of emailing everybody and telling the authors before it was announced publicly. And it was really devastating. I, you know, I mean, not only because we had sort of lost all that creative work, you know, of months of putting the festival together, but we also lost a lot of revenue just because a lot of it was associated with the in-person festival. In context, all of this is nothing compared to what was happening with COVID around the country and the world. But in our little literary universe, this was a blow. So what we decided to do was pivot quickly, radically. And no one on my team had experience with doing virtual events. We did have experience in videotaping events. And we had the guy who did that with us was available to work with us on quickly converting many of the events that we had planned into a virtual format. And so what we did was launched, turns out, on the same weekend, May 1st, and we did several events that weekend, including the beginning of a voting rights series that was going to be a kind of prominent thing in the in-person festival. And that was a six-part series. So we started that and we just began to roll out virtual events one after another. Eventually, over the you know few months, it was two events, sort of general adults per week, and about that same number of kids events. And that went all the way through June. And then we began to slow it down a little bit, sort of did some more like headliner type events in the fall. And we've really converted what was a once a year festival into an ongoing year round literary event series. And that will continue. We rebranded that aspect as, quote, unbound, because it is unbound from the regular festival. And while it has been virtual, that year-round series will continue when we go back to in-person, and there will also be a live streaming component. You know, we've had audience now from all over the world, 
And a lot of people really like this virtual stuff. I kind of do, you know, for some things. So we're going to keep both going. Do you use Zoom mostly? Have you switched to something else? Yeah, we looked at all the different platforms. And for the sake of ease for the authors and the audience where it's a live event, we did settle on Zoom. And we've sort of become masters of Zoom. Uh, You know, we have pretty good production values on the programs. Then when it is pre-recorded or when we share the recordings, we use YouTube. So we, you know, put it all out on YouTube. In this week, this May 1st through 9th, some of these are live and some are filmed or are they all live? Most of the adult general programs are live. One exception is the closing event, which is called Splitting the World Open, a Booker International Prize Roundtable of Dangerous Women Writers. And these are three women who have, you know, they were Booker finalists, and they are in Dubai and New York and Chile. And they write about India, Chile, and Ethiopia. So in terms of the time zones, we just couldn't get that one to happen live. (laughs) So that's pre-recorded. I think that our event with Jeff Vandermeer, the sci-fi writer, and Nanetti Okorafor, who's really well known now for her um, African futurism. She's just an amazing author. I think that's going to have to be pre-recorded because Jeff had a conflict come up. So it'll still be shown at the same time. And there will be a live chat during that particular window, you know, that we've scheduled it for. But everything else is live. And the kids programs, those are all pre-recorded, partly because we actually don't welcome chat and don't want like a Zoom room in the kids programming just for sort of safety's sake, except for Davey D, who is an Oakland rap hip hop, really popular guy. And that's going to be live. He's a KPFA programmer too. I didn't know that. All right. That's fantastic. When is his event? I think it's Saturday... Nope, it's Sunday. It's Sunday, May 2nd. I knew it was early. Sunday, May 2nd at 3.30 in the afternoon. And it's with Jeff Chang, who, you know, I'm sure you also know of. He wrote the book, Can't Stop, Won't Stop, about hip hop and history. So it's going to be a really terrific event. The Bay Area Book Festival opens with Valerie Cower. Yes. Who's written a book, See No Strangers, Ending the Plague of Hate. Actually, the title has changed. (laughs) Just to let you know, we literally just did this right now. So you might even need to refresh your browser to see it. It's called See No Stranger, A Radical Vision for Mending Our World. And she will be interviewed by Jamila King, who is the Mother Jones race and justice reporter. This was recommended to us by Brooke Warner, who is on our board, the chair of our board, and runs She Writes Press and is a longtime literary figure in Berkeley, mostly. She was absolutely blown away by this woman, Valerie, who had a TED Talk that garnered 
more than 3 million views, and I watched it and likewise was blown away. So the reason that we decided to feature Valerie is we wanted an opening event that really kicked off the festival with a a sort of priority issue that looks at what's happening in our world today. And, you know, obviously we continue to see racial profiling, you know, police violence, you know, travesties in the immigration system and hate crimes, which is Valerie's sort of, I'll say specialty, but that's the thing that started out her activist journey is combating hate crimes. So she's an attorney and a close family friend, a sick S-I-K-H man was murdered after 9-11. It was a hate crime. And that really uh, galvanized her to become an activist attorney. And she has been very successful at changing policy, you know, in all these different areas. But as she kept doing this, she, she began to feel like, you know, the core of all of this is hatred itself. It's like, what can we do about hatred itself? And so she's now developed this approach, I guess you'd say. Now it's an initiative and, of course, a website called Revolutionary Love. And really, it's about sort of embracing the other, which, you know, I know everybody's talked about in lots of ways over decades or centuries, but she's positioning that in today's context you know, it's just about the way that we continue to, quote, other, push away other people as opposed to seeing them as part of ourselves, you know, in our own community. And that's May 1st, 7 to 8 p.m. And that one yes. is free. Uh, people have to register, but it's free. Totally free. Yep. That's another thing that was really important to us was to make that event free and get people starting the, watching the festival and enjoying it. And, um, you know, this also being a priority issue. So, yeah. And the reason we have people register is so that we can send out the Zoom link. We don't want to just kind of publish because that is how Zoom gets sort of hacked or attacked. So, yeah. So that's why. Charlotte Parsons. Now, the rest of the festival, I saw that they register and deal with tickets and everything. Uh, Sunday, May 2nd, 1 p.m., Kazuo Ishiguro. I've interviewed him a couple of times. Uh, and this new book has been getting a lot of raves. Yes, yes. Oh, totally. I mean, he's, you know, front page of the Times Book Review, and he himself was profiled in the New York Times Magazine. And I've heard him speak several times, and he's just so sort of humble, down to earth, but really interesting. And he's also a person who, when you interview him, he sort of also interviews you, especially when there's other authors involved. And he wanted specifically to speak with a woman of color author, which we were already thinking about. And we were really happy that Yajiasi could join him. And her latest book actually also looks at sort of science and emotional life. So it was a good pairing. And that's 1 p.m. on Sunday, May 2nd. And then on 6 p.m., Orville Schell and Yi Yun Lee, which is quite a, a lineup. Yeah, I am so excited about this event. And I just have to tell you, if you and your listeners have not yet read Orville's novel, run to get it. It's just 
fantastic. And, you know, he, I just had an article, actually, I did an interview with him in Berkeley side. And so I learned a lot more about the backstory of it. You know, he worked on it for 40 years and, you know, he's been this, you know, renowned China expert. And so he had this sort of massive amount of knowledge and he wrote 17 nonfiction books over his career. He's now 80 years old. And 40 years, he's been dabbling around this novel. And some people in publishing even said to him, oh, it's not your thing. You write nonfiction. But he kept at it and finally came out with this novel, which is a knockout. I mean, the guy can really write fiction. It's called My Old Home. And then the subtitle is A Novel of Exile. And it's long, but don't let that put you off because <laughs> I didn't want it to end. I listened to it actually on audio and it was almost 25 hours. And at first I was like, uh-oh. But by the time I was like hour 10, I was like, I'm glad there's so many hours left. And then when it was over, I was really sad. But the reason we put him with Yi and Lee, initially... Orville was interested in talking with her because obviously she's Chinese, but writes in English and, you know, has a very conflicted relationship with China, which Orville's book tells the story of, you know, 1949, when Mao summoned all the Chinese people around the world to come back to the motherland and help build the new society. And then the people who had Western leanings or were intellectuals or artists, of course, got caught up in the Cultural Revolution, were sent to labor camps, were killed. His characters go through all of that, all the way up to Tiananmen Square. So Yi Yun has direct personal experience with some of this. So he wanted to talk with her. And then I discovered, as I checked up with what she was doing lately, she was leading this book club called Tolstoy Together with a public space in New York. She has always read Tolstoy during like hard times in her life. And so when the pandemic hit, she's like, everybody is so isolated out there. Why don't I create a club through a public space that reads Tolstoy together? We'll do War and Peace and we'll do 12 uh, pages a meeting. I don't know if that was once a week or what, but it became this big thing. It got international coverage, thousands of people, huge success, and it really helped people you know, during the pandemic. So now there's a book coming out. The book is called Tolstoy Together. And the reason I thought they were connected is both Orville's book and Yi Yun's Tolstoy Together look at the power of art to help us survive trauma, tragedy, um, you know, whatever. In Orville's book, it's music. So the main character, two main characters, a musician and his son, who's also a musician, and music runs throughout the book. And it's really the thing that keeps the people human through their saga of living in China during this period. So really, it's about how art keeps us alive during these times of struggle. May 3rd, Charles Yu, who I interviewed about interior Chinatown. What's interesting is that when I interviewed him, which was a month and a half ago, it was shortly before the, the rise 
of the anti-Asian racism and violence we've seen now. So we did not discuss it. I assume, and that's at 7 p.m. on May 3rd, I assume that that's going to be a highlight of that particular interview. Yeah, he's wonderful. And um, and also that book won the National Book Award for fiction, right. which is fantastic. And the book talks about Asian stereotyping. I mean, it does in this case in a funny way, but absolutely. He wrote an article in the New York Times, I think it was, about the anti-Asian crimes. That will definitely be something that's talked about. And he'll also talk about screenwriting, which of course, Interior Chinatown is in the format of a screenplay, but he'll talk about the different literary forms as well. He was in the writer's room of the first season of Westworld. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said Interior Chinatown, they've been talking around that being a show. Yeah. <laughs> but who knows? Yeah. He's talking with Jim Gavin, who's also a novelist. He was a Stegner Fellow at Stanford, and he was a showrunner on, oh my gosh, oh, Lodge 49. This is kind of cult classic. Didn't get renewed, but people are like passionate about that series. May 6th, Douglas Stewart, who wrote Chuggy Bane, which came and went here in the States, and then suddenly months and months later, won the Booker Prize. Yes, yes. This book is beyond a knockout. I mean, I know I'm saying this about many books, but I mean, I feel like everyone has to read this book. And, you know, people are comparing it to Angela's Ashes and, you know, books on tough childhoods with a parent involved in addiction or alcoholism. And okay, those are all wonderful. But what makes this book so distinct, and I think elevated it to win the Booker Prize, is the use of language. I, I mean, he he's Scottish, and the book is set in lower class, working class, I guess, Glasgow, and he uses the slang and the terminology, and you're able to understand it easily. I mean, it's not like it's written in dialect, which makes it hard to read, but the phrasing and the terms, it just completely takes you into this world. It's just an absolute knockout of a book. And for the festival, he wanted to talk about economic inequality specifically. He says that's something that, you know, in all the book talks I've been doing, really haven't talked about as directly. So we put him with a memoirist named Casey Gerald, another TED speaker, actually, who has a novel also about growing up in poverty. Both of them gay men. Douglas is a white Scottish guy and Casey is a black American. And I just think they're going to have a lot to talk about. Irving Yalom and Joyce Carol Oates on May 9th at 7 p.m. How did that pairing come about? So Irv's, or we call him Irv, his publicist contacted me totally at the last minute. And I had already booked the entire festival. But she sent me his book, the new book, which is called, I'm looking in here, with A Matter of Death and Life. And I started to read it and was instantly like, yes, we have got to present this somehow. So the spot that we had was Mother's Day, Sunday, May 9th at 1 p.m. So we booked him for that. You know, as I read more into the book, it's 
not only about the loss of his wife of 65 years, but it's really about love and it's about caring for someone that you love and sort of about experiencing what that has meant and the meaning of that as you get close to the loss of that person. And Joyce has written about her own widowhood from her previous two husbands ago, who she was married to for 35 years. And she wrote a wrenching memoir called A Widow's Story. And then two years ago, I think it was two years ago, she lost her second husband. So this whole topic is very present for her. So that's why I thought about the two of them together. And just to tell people a little bit more about Irv's book, he wrote it with his former wife, late wife, Marilyn, who was a feminist scholar and beloved by many in the literary community, actually. She had a salon out of their house for many years, and she wanted to write a book about the sort of approach to her death with Irv after it was clear the diagnosis was terminal. So he didn't want to write it, but she talked him into it. And so they alternate sections in this book as they move through her treatment and then her decision. I won't tell you, I don't want to wreck the book, like spoiler alert, just sort of what happens, except we know that she does die. And then Irv takes over the last part of the book, and he's written books on grief, right? The nonfiction books. But now he had to face his own. It's extraordinary. Can I talk about the Saturday night event? Well, one event that we're super excited about is the Saturday night closing event. So the May 8th, so that would be before the Mother's Day events, you know, which include Irv Yellens and Joyce Carol Oates. So Saturday night at seven o'clock, we have an event called There's a Revolution Outside, My Love, Mourn, Heal, and Take to the Streets with former U.S. Poet Laureate Tracy K. Smith and others. So there is this book that John Freeman, who's a literary empresario, he's now a senior editor at Knopf, put together with Tracy K. Smith, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning poet and former U.S. Poet Laureate. They gathered together a bunch of poets and fiction writers and essayists to reflect on the events of the last year. Everything from the political situation to Black Lives Matter protests to, you know, the police shootings to COVID, loneliness, grief, you know, the works. So this anthology came together and we wanted to do an event for it. It comes out a couple of days after our event. So when you register for the event, you get a copy of the book. So it is a ticketed, you know, as they say, bundled with the ticket and the book itself. And we've discounted everything. So you get both, you know, for a a good price. The three people who are speaking are Tracy and Reginald Dwayne Betts, who is likewise an extraordinary poet. And he is the current poetry editor for the New York Times Magazine, which is where people might have seen his name. And Camille Dungy, D-U-N-G-Y, who is also an amazing poet, has been in our events before. She actually just had a poem in The New Yorker. I think it was last week that was 
amazing. And the whole thing is moderated by Ismail Mohammed, who is now a story editor for the New York Times Magazine. I am so excited about this event. I think it's just going to be fiery. And, you know, if anyone can capture the events of 2020, it would be poets like this. <laughs> so three Black poets who really have like their finger on the pulse of what's going on. Sherilyn Parsons, a couple of quick questions. First question, last year, as you said, the festival extended and extended. Are you going to be having events in June, July, August as well, or are we just doing the May thing? Yes. We are continuing to do year-round events, and we have two events that we haven't yet publicized because there's so much else going on with the festival. We will present Richard Flanagan, who is one of my favorite writers. He's from Tasmania. He wrote The Narrow Road to the Deep North, which won the Booker Prize a few years ago. So he's got a new book coming out called The Living Sea of Waking Dreams. I don't have it in front of me right now. And people say every book of his is a masterpiece. And they say this book is indeed yet another masterpiece. And it's about the environment. It's about families. It's about grief. That will be on June 3rd, Thursday. And that will be virtual, partly because he is in Tasmania. And then the other event is we have um, Keenan Norris, who is an Oakland-based author, with his first novel called The Confession of Copeland Kane. And we're doing that one with the Museum of the African Diaspora. And here's what Mike Davis had to say about that novel. I have it right on my desk here. So he said... Imagine Thomas Pinchon, Nathaniel West, and Ralph Ellison going into a bar where they decide to write a novel about the gentrification wars in the East Bay. So that's this novel. And that will be on June 15th. That'll be free. Richard Flanagan will be ticketed, but Keenan will be free. Sherilyn Parsons, at this point, I guess you're looking at 2022 being live again, yes. hopefully. Yes, yes. Unless something radical changes, we are planning for in-person. However, because people have really enjoyed the virtual aspect, the virtual you know, access, we will live stream major events from the in-person festival. So we're going to continue to offer that. What about afterward? Can people just go to the website and on their own watch these things in the next year? festival events or? Yeah. 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 The free festival events will definitely put up on the website, like not long after the festival. You know, in some cases with the ticketed events, the publisher doesn't really want us to put them on the website for free, like right away, because of course people have paid ticket prices and there are book sales associated with it. But unless we're sort of expressly forbidden from doing so, and I know George Saunders, publicist, for instance, asked that we not have everyone who did an event with George not put it on their website later. But most of them we will put on our website, you know, probably at some point in the summer, not super soon, but eventually. We have a lot of other programs on our website. I mean, if people want to see great literary programs. You know, it's Bay Area Book Festival on YouTube. There's a lot of stuff there. And that's baybookfest.org? Yes, yes. 
You've been listening to an interview with Sherilyn Parsons, who is the founder and executive director of the Bay Area Book Festival, which runs online May 1st through 9th. And again, to find out more, you can go to baybookfest.org. Feedback on this and other Radio Walensky podcasts is appreciated. You can write to bookwaves at hotmail.com and feel free to search out other interviews at bookwaves.com or on the kpfa.org website. Until next time, I'm Richard Walensky on the Area 941 Radio Walensky Podcast.